Alrighty, good morning. Well, I have been called a lot of things in my <clears throat> short life, but uh, being called a treat is not one I hear very often, so I don't know if I can live up to that. That's going to be a, that's gonna be a challenge. Um, there, will be a, there will be a survey at the end of the class where we vote on that topic. Um, but we're going to be uh, opening our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1 this morning, and I'm going to defer to the guy to my left to tell me if I'm doing everything correctly. Keep, okay, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Proverbs chapter 1 this morning. Um, uh, and before we do that, let me, let me ask you, um, how many of you, how many of you think that you are a wise person? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. There's not, I'm not going to like ask you to like prove it or anything. You think you're wise? Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. The rest of you are fools. Oh, wait a minute. No, what we're actually going to find out in the word of God today is that you can either pursue wisdom or the word of God says you are a fool. Those, those are the opposites, right? Like, there's, there's not this like, oh, I think I'm going to figure it out okay. You are a fool. God's Word says you're either pursuing wisdom according to His Word, or you are a fool. You're despising wisdom, and you are set for destruction. So Proverbs chapter 1, go ahead and turn there with me. And as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 1, I need someone to maybe, maybe remind us of a proverb that you've heard as a child. It doesn't have to be a proverb from the book of Proverbs. Maybe just a proverb that you have heard, like a wise saying. The fool says in his heart there is no God. The fool says in his heart there is no God. That's an actual biblical proverb written by an old man, ancient man. Yes? Uh, there's a time and a place for everything. There's a time and a place for everything. Okay, yeah. Anyone else? Any other good proverbs? Do to others as you would have them do to you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. How about a stitch in time saves nine? Have you ever heard that one? What does it mean? Has, has, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's a pithy little saying that says, if you change your oil when the oil indicator is on and you don't wait until the car stops starting, that's a good thing because that means you have more repairs to do than you would have had otherwise. And if you sew up the little tear in your clothing and you don't do like my kids do and they take their finger and they're like, I think there's a hole in my jeans, dad. And they say like, how many fingers can I fit through that hole? Have you ever done that? How many fingers can you fit through a hole in your jeans? Max number, I got a four, anyone higher than a four, right? Yeah, exactly. So there's these pithy little sayings like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And most of you are like, I don't know, I never saw that in a video game. But if you go outside sometime, you will see that there are birds in God's creations and there's bushes. And if you're holding one and you're looking at them, this one is more likely to go home with you than those two are. So there's these little pithy proverbs that we hear um, in the world around us. But we're going to see in the book of Proverbs this morning that God has given us these great sayings for our benefit and for our good. We're going to find, um, so as always, remember as we're looking to the Word of God, we have one question that we start with. And it's not does what does the person next to me think or what do I think. It's what does the Bible say and then how should we then live. So those are the questions we're going to ask this morning. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 1 and we're going to find out how can we be resolved to be wise. We want to be resolved to be wise because if you are not resolved to be wise, then you are by default a fool, we'll see in, in God's word this morning. So let's go ahead and talk. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 1. The main idea, for those that like to take notes, I'll say it a couple times because so, it's long. The main idea is this. The pursuit of wisdom starts with a true understanding of God. Okay? So the pursuit of wisdom starts with a true understanding of God. It is not climbing up on a mountain and humming. It is not going to the best university in the land. The pursuit of wisdom starts with a true understanding of God. And so the challenge to you and I this morning is, are you willing to sit at the feet of wisdom? Are you willing to learn? Or are you sitting here saying, I've got it all figured out? 
And some of you do. You're good at that, right? I'm good at that too because I'm a sinful human being. Sometimes I look at people and I'm like, I got it all figured out. And you might think this morning, I've got it all figured out. No, mom and dad, I don't need to hear your words. No, youth leader, I don't need to hear your words. I've got it all figured out. We're going to, but we, if we are going to be wise according to the word of God, we need to look at what the God, word of God says and specifically in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one, verse one. We're going to, we're going to be in Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 this morning, but we're going to start off with verse 1. We're going to look at our first section. We're going to call it the introduction to the book of Proverbs. It's going to be just this verse. Introduction to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Okay. Who is Solomon? Raise your hand. I know we got some people out there. I don't know your name, young man. Can you remind me your name? Ian, Ian, who was Solomon? The wisest man. All right, that's one of the things that might be said about him. Yes? Uh, he was the son of David. He was the son of David. That was actually in the notes, so you know what? You only get half points for that. What else do we know about Solomon? Yes, sir? He was king of Judah. He was king of Judah. Yeah, that was also in the notes. What else do we got? Who, who knows something about Solomon that's not in here? Yeah. He had over a thousand wives. Yeah, that was awkward. But yes, um... You know, he was the wisest man, but one of the things that we will find out is that apart from Christ, apart from being redeemed by his blood, and apart from being set apart to him, even the wisest man in the world found himself falling into sin. Right? But he was. He was the wisest man. We see in 1 Kings 3, for those that want to flip back there, we'll read a couple of verses real quick. 1 Kings 3, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. This is what God said to Solomon. Solomon says a bunch of things really long in verses 6, 7, 8, 9. And he gets near the end and he says, verse 9, So give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil, for who is able to judge this great people of yours? He says, God, you gave me this great nation. I don't know how to judge them. Help me out. I want to know right and wrong. Verse 10 of 1 King 3, It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. God says, Solomon, you asked for a good thing. Wisdom? There's a lot of things you could have asked for. That was a good one. And he says, Behold, I have done according to your words. I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there is never, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. As best we can tell from Holy Scripture, there has never been another person before or after Solomon that was as wise as he was on this earth, except for the Lord Jesus himself. Solomon was a wise man. It goes on in uh, 1 Kings 3 and 4 to tell us that because God says that was a good thing to ask, he also gave him things that he didn't ask for. He gave him a vast empire, the largest at the time. He gave him more wealth than anyone on the earth at the time. This is who Solomon was. He had all of these things. Now Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, someone else mentioned that. We know that he didn't write probably all of the Proverbs in this book, but he pulled them together according to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they're given to us here today. The reason we know that is because in 1 Kings 4, 32, it says he spoke 3,000 Proverbs and his songs were 1,005. Now, I thought for this morning for our entertainment that I was going to sing a few of those songs for you, but then I realized that the Lord has not given me that gift. So anyway, um, so if you want to think about that later, the songs of Solomon, uh, you can think about that. But we're going to talk about the Proverbs of Solomon this morning. And there's over 3,000, but there's less than 3,000 in the book of Proverbs. So we know not only did he give us a lot of wise sayings, but there's many wise sayings that in God's providence aren't in this book. And um, maybe we'll get the uh, privilege of asking him someday in eternity. But now you're saying, all right, Ben, someone asked earlier, like, what was a proverb? How, you know, some... He asks us to name a proverb. You're like, well, I can't name a proverb because I don't know the definition of a proverb. 
There's a wise man, Wilkerson, he writes this. He says, Proverbs deals with the most fundamental skill of all, practical righteousness before God in every area of life. Practical righteousness before God in every area of life. So when we think about the Proverbs, specifically the book of Proverbs, it is not just about wise sayings. It is about practical righteousness in every area of life. Now, what does that mean? What's the difference between having fancy wise sayings and practical righteousness in every area of life? Does anyone have a thought? You actually live them out. There's something to do. The great thing is, you guys go with homework today. Isn't that great? Put a smile on your face. You're thinking, it's Sunday, I don't get homework. You're wrong. Oh, it's so sad. No, because the Proverbs teach us practical righteousness for every area of our life. So if you walk out of here this morning and you think to yourself, man, I learned some really cool things in the Bible today. I don't know what to do about that, so I'm just going to walk away. You have not listened to God's word according to the book of Proverbs because Proverbs says he gives you practical righteousness for every area of life. This means that in the Proverbs we can find about uh, instruction on how we do things, how we interact with people, how we go to work, how we go to school, how we interact in our relationships, be they with a boy or a girl, young man or young woman, how we speak, what comes out of our mouth, what happens in our hearts, in our thoughts, how we interact with our schoolmates, our classmates, our teammates, our teachers, all of those things. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, that's interesting, but I like deep theology. I like big words that I can't spell. Like, that's why I come here. I want to read the Bible because I want to find out all of those things that I can, you know, wow people at my next dinner party. Do you guys do that too? Dinner parties? Video game parties? Land parties? We used to call them land parties, but that was back when things were all connected. That's okay. It's not just about deep theology. It's about what actually happens in our everyday life, in our homes, in our schools, uh, on the sports field, in the arena, all those places. So we're going to look at our pride. We're going to look at our selfishness. We're going to look at our laziness. We're going to look at our speech, all of those things. And the great thing is if you're thinking to yourself, you know, sometimes I get caught in these situations and I'm at school and I'm at home and I'm, you know, interacting with my siblings and I don't know what it means to be righteous in this situation. The Proverbs gives us wisdom for all of those things. Wilkerson goes on to say this. It says the Proverbs are general statements and illustrations of timeless truth which allow for, but do not condone, exceptions to the rule. Now, this isn't vocabulary class, so you guys are like, man, all those words are really big. Let me tell you what that means. Has anyone ever read the proverb, a gentle answer turns away wrath? Anyone ever read that? Just show your hand. Yeah. Gentle answer turns away wrath. Do you agree with this proverb? Let's all nod our heads because God wrote it. Okay, very good. Yeah, we agree with it. Gentle answer turns away wrath. Has anyone ever had someone that was acting wrathful towards them? Maybe they're raising their voice, they were angry, they were whatever. And like, did you ever try a gentle answer? Anyone ever try a gentle answer? Yeah. Does it turn away wrath? Sometimes. Now you're thinking, whoa, God, whoa, what about your book of Proverbs here, God? Like, I tried that gentle answer thing, didn't work out. I think I'll try something different next time. No. No, we don't get to do that because Proverbs are general statements of timeless truth and they allow for, but do not condone exceptions to the rule. What does that mean? It means this. It means that our obedience to God's Proverbs are required regardless of our perception of what the outcome should be, right? And the problem with the outcome is the outcome isn't always the way that we want it because who's on the other side of this conversation? A holy person or a sinner? A sinner. 
you're a sinner, I'm a sinner. And so sometimes a gentle answer doesn't always turn away wrath. But that doesn't mean we get to say like, oh, Lord, tried that, didn't work out. No, what God has said is this is how those who have been created in my image should relate to people around me. So you're going to say, man, I'm going to try a gentle answer, and it didn't turn away wrath this time, but I'm going to try it again, and I'm going to try it again, and I'm going to try it again. And I'm going to be faithful to God's Word regardless of whether the sinner standing next to me, just remember we're all sinners here, right? The sinner standing next to me, sinner number two, when I'm sinner number one in the cast of characters, whether they respond or not the way that I think that they should, I'm still beholden to God's Word of Proverbs. So we still have to have that gentle answer. By the way, the Proverbs aren't unique to the Old Testament. Let's be super clear. A lot of the things that they say also are repeated in the New Testament. We see Paul writing to Corinth, and he says, Glorify God in what you eat and drink, 1 Corinthians 10. He wrote to a church at Colossae. He said, You should work heartily for the Lord, not for men, Colossians 3.23. So he talks about work. He talks about eating. He talks about drinking. He talks about all these interactions. Um, so we don't see that there's any distinction. Some people think the Proverbs is an Old Testament book, but all it is is just a book of wise words from God to us on how we should interact in every area of life. And most of those are reinforced in one form or another in one of Paul's letters in the New Testament. So that's our introduction. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. We got some wise sayings from God. They are commands to us on how God works in this world and how we should live in this world, understanding sometimes that the outcomes are not always the way that we would want them to be. But after we thought about what are, the, what are these Proverbs, let's talk about what they do for us. What they do for us. This is the purpose of Proverbs. We'll see this in chapter 2, or verse 2 through 6. Verse 2 through 6, Proverbs 1, 2. And as, you're, as I'm reading this, I know I said it wasn't vocabulary class or grammar class, but I want you to think about all the verbs that you hear as you read, as I read. Because that's what we're going to do. Is we're going to go through this section. We're going to look at all the verbs together. But let me read it together. Proverbs 1, 2. To know wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. So we're going to look at these verbs together. And the first thing that we're going to look at is to know. And we see that in verse 2. It says, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. Now, here's the great thing about this word know. Do you know what this word know means? Understand. No. To know. It means to know. It means to recognize. It's like, hey, like, I didn't know what wisdom was because I was a fool. And someone's like, hey, look, this is wisdom in God's word. And I was like, man, that's wisdom. I know it. I recognize it. I see it. So what the word of God says is like, you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how to be wise in this situation. I don't know how to live righteously in this situation with my siblings, with my classmates, with my teammates, with my parents, with the guy that's elbowing me right now next to me. I don't know. Like, how do I do it? I just made that up, by the way. All of you are looking around you. That's okay. How do I do it? Well, first off, you've got to know what wisdom is. You've got to find it in his word. He says, this book will give you the ability to know how to be wise in each of those situations. Now, this word wisdom is an interesting word because this word wisdom used all throughout the Bible is a word that talks about a practical ability to apply things to practice. So some of you play sports, right? And some of you know that this is not how you throw a baseball. Maybe not even how you throw a football because that's not my sport either, right? But you know what it means. You know how to swing a bat. Maybe you know how to swim. Maybe you know how to read, but how do you get better at that thing? You're like, well, I saw it once on TV. 
I watched this thing called the Bowl of Supers. And there was these guys on the field, and they were running around, and they were throwing things and kicking things. And like, I bet I could do that. But you don't wake up the next day and be great at it. You have to practice it. So this idea of wisdom, it says wisdom and instruction. Instruction is this tool that refines us in wisdom. It actually sharpens us. So wisdom is this skill that we hone by applying it. So if we go back to our previous uh, interaction, my guess is that sometime in the last week or two, one of your siblings has had a harsh word against you. And you said, hey, I tried that gentle answer, turns away wrath thing, and it didn't work out very well. And I'd be like, well, how gentle was your answer? It's like, well, I didn't yell this time. It's like, well, great. Well, what kind of words did you use? I'm like, well, those weren't the best words. So how can you provide a more gentle answer next time? How can you refine yourself? How can you change your faith? How can you? And so when we look at the Word of God in the Proverbs, we see that wisdom is not just knowing what to do. It is going out and applying it. And then it is applying it and through practice, becoming more and more like Christ because we've done it over and over and over again. Right? So that's what it means to know wisdom and instruction. Is that um, we continue to learn these things, we apply these things, and then we get better at these things because we keep applying them according to the Word of God in the power of the Spirit of God. Now, here's the thing that we have to remember about wisdom. We kind of talked about it earlier, but wisdom is not great theologians, but awful disciples. I know. Shake, everyone shake your head at these tardy people. This whole, this whole two-service thing, we're going to get used to it, I promise. Listen very carefully, though. Now I get distracted around you. Wisdom is not great theologians and awful disciples. Do you hear that? Having it all up here but not in our lives, that's not what the book of Proverbs is about. It's about practical righteousness in everyday life. Some of you are great at memorizing things. You've probably like read this book. Maybe you've memorized a few things out of it, but you're having a really hard time applying it. Solomon says wisdom is taking what you've heard in God's Word and going out and applying it. That is what wisdom is. To know wisdom and instruction is not just to know it mentally, it's to know it experientially as we take the Word of God and we apply the wisdom in our head and in our lives to those around us and to the world around us. That is what it means to know wisdom and instruction. Verb number two we're going to look at in Proverbs 1-2. To receive instruction and wise behavior. I'm sorry, verse 2, to discern the sayings of understanding. I can't even read. You wouldn't believe how big this font is. I still can't read it. To discern the sayings of understanding, Proverbs 1-2. To discern. Understanding is a word that's also repeated through the Proverbs, and it means the ability to discern between truth and error, between good and evil. So if you are thinking to yourself, man, I tell you what, those guys, they're singing one of those 1,005 songs of Solomon that we talked about earlier that he wrote. It's fantastic. Um, to discern the sayings of understanding is to be able to discern between truth and error, right and wrong. So maybe you're in a situation at school and one of your classmates says, hey man, we should do... And you're like, hmm, is that right or wrong? Is that okay to do that thing? Is that okay to talk about that topic? Is that okay to go to that place with those people? And you are sitting here saying, how do I know what is right and wrong? How do I know what is good and evil in this situation? The proverb says that it will teach you and give you the wisdom to discern the sayings of understanding. If you're looking to understand how to discern between right and wrong, we will find that within the pages of this book. Proverbs also says that it gives us wisdom to receive instruction and wise behavior. Proverbs 1 through. So receive. This is to grasp, to acquire through training. It says receive instruction and wise behavior. That instruction is that which comes through repeated training. 
We're not going to receive the ability to be an awesome football player by watching a lot of videos, by watching a lot of tapes. We've got to take that knowledge and then we've got to receive it into ourselves through training, to receive instruction and wise behaviors, to go off and to practice it. So you will acquire wisdom through instruction and wise behavior. And what kind of wise behavior are you looking at? Verse 3, at the end of it, it tells us. It says righteousness, justice, and equity. Does anyone know what the colloquial form of justice is? Like, what, what is the word that... You, I'm sorry, that was, that was bad. What is the word that you would use if you were going to say the word justice? Fair. Fair, yeah. How many of you, without raising your hands, you can just like give me like a little nod that's imperceptible to those around you. How many of you are thinking you've said the words, that's not fair in the last couple of weeks? Oh, okay. Yeah, you could give me an imperceptible nod or just like throw your hand up there for everybody to see. That's fine too, yeah. That's not fair. We either said it or we thought it. And you know how long ago I thought that that's not fair? Probably like 45 minutes ago. Like, right? I was getting ready this morning, and I was like, man, like, what's going on in this house? We're trying to get ready. We're trying to go to church so we can worship the Lord. And I'm like, what's going on? And I thought to myself, well, that's not fair. The problem is, is my sense of justice and equity is based on my own sinfulness and selfishness. And instead of God's word. And what God says is if you want to understand how to act righteously and justly towards one another, then we do that by receiving instruction and wise behavior through his word. If you want to understand what justice looks like, then you find it in his word. The problem is, is we say that's not fair because the way it works is if I get more stuff than I was expecting, then that's awesome. That's a cool gift. But if someone else gets more stuff than they were expecting, that's not fair. Right? If I get more than someone next to me, that's cool. If someone else gets more than I got, that's not fair because we have somehow inverted justice. God's Word says He will give us the wisdom through His Word to understand righteousness and justice and equity. It says receive instruction. The last thing on that thought, that to receive instruction, I said it talks about um, kind of learning through training but that training is uh, instruction, it's chastening, it's discipline, it's correction, right? So when you're talking about being a sports player and your coach is teaching you some things, are there times when he tells you you need to do something differently? Okay, I got a nod back there. Yeah, I wasn't a great sports player when I played and I had to receive a lot of correction. In the same way, the Word of God is going to receive a straight. What happens when you ignore your coach's instruction? How many of you usually just get better when you're ignoring your coach's feedback? Like you just, I mean, you, you've probably been doing this sport longer than they have, right? Like, you've got it all figured out. When we ignore the Word of God, because we think we've got it all figured out, we think we know better than God does, we think we know better than the godly people that God has put in our lives, like our parents or our youth leaders or whoever, when we ignore their feedback, then we are not receiving instruction. Receiving instruction is hard because it corrects us. It corrects us. By the way, I love this idea of um, this wise behavior, to receive instruction and wise behavior, because this idea of wise behavior has the idea of success. Now, I know that sounds a little bit weird to say in the church because sometimes we don't talk, a lot about, like, talk about that. But how many of you are like, hey, I'm, I'm going to listen to my coach because I want to fail the ball game? No, you listen to your coach because you want to win the ball game. 
And just like I assume that most of you want to have success in the sports in which you're going there, no one in here wants to have a failed friendship. No one in here wants to have a failed relationship with God. No one in here wants to go on one day and have a failed relationship with a member of the opposite sex. Or no one in here wants to go on and to fail at school or fail in all these activities. And so God says, I will give you instruction and wise behavior so that you might succeed in the things in which God has called you to do according to his word. No one wants to be a failed son or daughter that always gets in trouble with mom or dad. And so God's word says to receive instruction and wise behaviors, to receive that which you need, to go off and to live a life that is pleasing to him in all of these areas. In all of these areas. Proverbs chapter 2. If you're in your Bible, just turn over to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 for a moment. We'll see this. I think this is really helpful, especially since we got a lot of, uh, most of the people in the room have parents, I think. I think that's the way God does it. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you. Verse 2. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver. When he's talking about seek her, he's talking about wisdom. Wisdom is this her here. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Go down to verse 9, and then he says, Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. That's what we were just talking about in chapter 1, right? We see that God has given us wisdom, and one of the ways that he gives us wisdom, especially as young people, is through the wisdom of older people. That's just how it works. We see that in Titus chapter 2 and other places in the Scriptures. God has given us wisdom through our parents, if they are followers of God. He has given us that through our youth leaders, through our pastors, and through so many other people. So that is where we go to find that wisdom. But it starts with us saying, My son, if you will receive my words. This is what Solomon says. So we see we need to receive. The next verb we're going to see is give. Verse 4, To give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. Now, we see this cool thing in verses 4 and 5. I think it's cool. My definition of cool is probably different than yours. That's okay. We're still going to love each other. But if we look in verse 4, he talks about the naive, and then he talks about the youth, and then he talks about the wise man, he talks about the man of understanding. There's this progression of maturity of the people described. Now, the great thing about these naive is these simple-minded in verse 4 is they don't know what they need. How many of you have, like, younger siblings? Do they know what they need? They don't know what they need. They're clueless. I'm going to tell you something I tell parents sometimes. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I'll tell you this. If your three-year-old is a nutritionist, they get to decide what to eat. If not, you get to decide what to eat. You know why? They don't know what they need. You have to give it to them. And God in His goodness says, I will give through my word prudence to the naive. Some of you are sitting here right now and you are saying, Lord, I'm coming here today. I want to follow you. I don't even know what I need. I don't know what I need. I'm struggling right now. I'm sinning right now. I'm rebellious right now. And I'm coming to you and I'm sitting here this morning. I don't know what I need. And God says through his word, he will give you wisdom. Now, what ways does God give us wisdom? Thoughts. I've mentioned a few of them. Yes, sir. Reading his word. That's a great way to find wisdom. Another hand. Yes, sir. Through others. Yes, sir. Through prayer. 
Going to church? Anyone else? Other ways that we acquire wisdom? Oh, no, I thought that was a head. That was, that was one of these scratching. That's okay. We're good with that. It's a head scratcher. Yes, sir. Oh, through trials. Man, yeah, James chapter 1 is all about that. There's some other places. He gives us trials so that the testing of our faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I've thought a lot about that verse in the past year. And every time something hard comes in my life, I'm thinking, Lord, I, you're not done with me yet. Because I tell you what, I keep thinking that I should get to a place where there's no more trials in my life. There's no more hard things. There's no more me sinning when I should be obeyed. And all I keep thinking is, thank you, God, I'm not perfect yet. He hasn't left me alone. He's refining me through trials. He gives us wisdom in all these ways. But he gives us what we don't know that we need. Some of us are not smart enough to put on a coat when it's cold outside. We have to have mom and dad be like, put on a coat. Why? Because it's cold. You're not smart enough to know what frostbite is. But your uncle, I don't know, you probably had a weird uncle that had frostbite one time. That's how all those stories go, right? He says he gives prudence to the naive. God is good, and He gives people to you to give you what you don't need. And we have to be wise enough to receive it. He gives prudence to the naive. It says to the youth, He gives knowledge and discretion. So you've graduated from this naive person to this youth, but He says He will give you knowledge and discretion. See, maybe you're saying, I don't know yet how to discern between good and evil. We were talking earlier about discerning between good and evil. And you're like, well, sometimes I'm struggling, and that's great because God has given you people that can give you wisdom in those areas. You just need to reach out. All of these things that we just talked about, about how to acquire wisdom, we can go to those sources when we need it. Because sometimes as a youth, as a young person, as a young man or young woman, we need wisdom and knowledge and discretion from the Lord. And that is God's gift to us. Solomon continues in verse 5. He talks about a wise man. Verse 5, he says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning. Hear and increase Listen to Proverbs 9.8. It says, Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Have you ever tried to correct someone and they didn't like it? Um, let me ask this differently. I think this is more appropriate. Have you ever been corrected and you didn't like it? The Bible says you're a scoffer. He says, A wise man, reprove a wise man and he will love you. He will love you. There's a lot of things that the Scripture says about people who are mature in Christ, but one of the most important ones in all of Scripture is this, is that when you hear wisdom, you respond to it, even if you didn't like it. Now let me tell you something about hearing and increasing in understanding. Let's say that you think that... Um, well, you didn't know. You, you just, you didn't know that two plus two equaled four. Like you didn't, like you woke up one day and someone's like, hey, did you know that two plus two equals four? And you're like, I did not know that. That is amazing. Thank you for instructing me. Now that is receiving wisdom, but that's not necessarily hearing and increasing and learning the way this book says. What if you thought to yourself, no, 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 no. I think you misunderstand. Two plus two equals five. And they're like, no, 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 no. Let me show you how two plus two equals four. count those. And you're like, whoa! Like, I didn't, like, whoa! See, it's wisdom to say someone changes your mind about something according to the Word of God, and you respond to the Word of God. See, it's easy if someone tells you something new, and you're like, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. That's a good thing. If someone tells you new from the Bible and you agree with it, that's good. But what if someone tells you something that 
challenges the way that you think about the Word of God. Let me give you something more interesting. What if a parent or a youth leader or a friend comes to you and says, hey, you know what, the Scripture says that the people that we hang, about, hang around with can sometimes lead us into temptation and sin. And I'm concerned that the friends that you're hanging around with right now are leading you into temptation and sin and in rebelliousness against your parents and God. Now that's a little bit different. Now if I want to be wise, I have to listen and say, is that what the Word of God says? And is this person, friend, parent, youth leader, someone else, pointing out an area in which I am not living practically righteous before the Lord? Now wisdom says, I need to receive that and I need to think about it hard. Because see, our selfishness, our pride says, I got it. Nah, I can hang around those people. I can do those things. And you know what? I'll be just fine. That's hard. A wise person hears and increases in learning. That means sometimes you're challenged in ways that are hard. And are you willing to pray, to look at God's Word, to listen to the counsel of wise people and respond in obedience? That's hard. The next time that your mom or dad corrects you about something, are you willing to say, I'm willing to listen, I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to be obedient, or am I going to bristle? And I'm going to say, whoa, wait a minute, why are you correcting me? God's Word declares to be wise to hear and increase in learning. We go on to see a choir, uh, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel at the end of verse 5. We talked earlier about ways that we can acquire wise counsel, so we won't discuss that again. Verse 6 says this, it says, To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Really what this means is, <clears throat> as we're going through this uh, progression of um, giving prudence to the naive and then the youth and the wise man, this man of understanding, at the end of it you'll be able to understand all of the wise things that are found in God's Word. He's saying you're going to be able to understand these deep things. 1 Corinthians 3 says this. Paul writes, he says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews says in 5.14, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Remember, we talked about that practice. Wisdom is practice. It is practicing the word of God in our lives. It is practicing receiving it. It is practicing hearing it. It is practicing changing our mind, renewing our mind. The New Testament calls it renewing our mind. When someone challenges us with the Word of God, it challenges us with biblical wisdom, with godly wisdom, do we say, like, nope, got it all figured out? Or like, you know what, wait a minute. Wait a minute, you just pointed out an area in my life in which I'm not walking with God. And I'm going to turn, and I'm going to renew my mind according to Scripture, and I'm going to be obedient to be wise. You know, I read a book many years ago. I was maybe your age, either late high school or early college. I don't recall. It was a book called Living by the Book. It was written by a guy named Howard Hendricks. And it was a book about reading the book. And in this, he wrote a phrase. He wrote this. He says, years ago, I read a book in which the author wrote, when I read this passage for the hundredth time, the following idea came to me. How many of you do you think you've read a passage of Scripture like a hundred times? Man, well, okay. We've got a few hands. I like it. I love it. In fact, I love it. I love that we're reading the Word of God. But I tell you what, you know when I read that, the first thing I thought, my prideful, sinful human self, a hundred times? How many times has this guy got to read this thing? Like, didn't he figure it out? I mean, I was thinking, I mean, on my worst day, like maybe like 20, 25 times, then I would figure it out. 
Are we really willing to sit at God's word? And whether it's the first time or the hundredth time, when God makes it clear to us through his spirit, we say, yes, Lord. Amen. That is what your word declares, and that's what I'm going to do. Because I tell you what, there's some of you right now that are struggling with sins, and you're struggling with temptations, you're struggling with being obedient, and someone has had to correct you one time, and two times, and five times, and ten times. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a youth leader, maybe it's something else. And are you willing to listen? Are you willing to say, you know what? I was rebellious the first time and the second time. But you know what, Mom and Dad? You were right. You told me, and I didn't listen, and you were right. Youth theater, you told me, and, you didn't, and I didn't listen, but you were right. And I came back, and I responded, because wisdom is coming back and responding when we hear the Word of God over and over and over again. And praise the Lord that we would continue to meditate on God's Word over and over and over again. And that's what this verse 6 means, is that there are Proverbs, figures, words of the wise, and riddles. There are hard things of Scripture that sometimes we've got to read more than once, twice, 25, 35, 100 times. And God, in His goodness, continues to refine our, work, our mind and renew our mind according to His Word. So that is the introduction to Proverbs. That is the purpose of Proverbs. It is going to give us all these things of wisdom. But finally, we're going to end with probably the most famous and the most important part here, which is the theme of Proverbs. We're going to see the theme of Proverbs in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Remember, I start off by saying there's only two options today. You can be a wise person or you can be a fool. And that's it. There's not like some neutral third party you're not an independent candidate here. One of these fancy commentators, Paul Benware, writes this. He says, Wisdom is not simply a matter of the intellect. It is viewing life and self from God's perspective, which is the only true and valid perspective. A wise person is able to deal with life's issues and problems with the advantage of God's viewpoint. We're looking at it from God's viewpoint. Proverbs allows us to look at life from God's viewpoint. A proper view of God that results in a right relationship with God. Proverbs 1, fools hate knowledge. Job 28, 28, the fear of the Lord is wisdom to depart from evil is understanding. Ecclesiastes 12, fear God, keep his commandments, for God will bring every act to judgment, whether it's everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. See, that's why we fear him, because he is our creator, he is our king, he is our God, he is our judge. At the end of the day, you do not get to stand in front of God and tell him what is fair or not because your sibling got more cookies than you. That's not how it works. God is the judge. He decides, and that is why we must fear him, we must know him, and we must understand him. See, in contrast, people become fools when they are unwilling to learn or are complacent in their confidence that everything will turn out all right. And that's the New Bible Commentary. That's We were talking about that earlier, is that in our arrogance, we look at godly counsel we look at godly wisdom we look at the word of god and we say you know what i know what god says about how i should relate to members of the opposite sex but you know what i think i think it's all right i think it's okay i think what i'm doing is just fine we're not going to get it's going to be fine it's going to be fine i know what god says about how i should like be obedient to my parents and honor my parents and you know, i do that like some of the time but you know sometimes they're just they're just flat out wrong and so you know i think i think I think I'll be just fine, God, right? That is our attitude, is that the opposite of wisdom, it says fools despise wisdom and instruction. And if you find yourself, the first response, think about this, because this is what I do. What is my first response when someone brings correction into my life? Is my first response, I'm going to sit and listen? Or is my first response, defense? 
Defense. Move the feet. Move the feet. Defense. Are we ready to hear God's word? It says, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Proverbs 18.2. Think about that. The last time someone was trying to give you wisdom, and you're like, Hey, tell you what, I'm going to counter that wisdom by telling you what is wise. You ever thought about that? I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna, I, bet, I bet my parents just don't understand the situation. I bet my youth leaders don't know what's going on. They were like, they, when they were my age, like the world was different. Like there wasn't even like these like little, it was so different. They just don't understand what I'm going through. Let me tell them what's going on. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. This is my favorite. Proverbs 27, 22. You got to listen closely. Though you pound a fool in a mortar with a pestle, along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Now, I know you're thinking, I don't know what any of those words mean. And that's okay. I'll tell you what it means. It means you can't slap the foolishness out of the fool. You just can't do it. Right? If you are a fool that is rebellious against God, it doesn't matter how many times someone tells you, if you are not willing to receive wisdom, it's just not going to matter. Are you willing to hear wisdom according to God's word? By the way, for those of you that are here this morning and you have never put your faith and trust in Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this. It says, The word of cross is foolishness to those who are pairing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. We jump down to verse 24. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. If you're looking for wisdom, it is found in Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you will hear some of these Proverbs, some of these pithy sayings, and there are aspects of your life that may or may not get better. It's kind of a roll of the die because you are not going to be looking at God's word and at life from God's perspective. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. If you want to live wisely in this world, you have to submit yourself to Christ for in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the word of God declares. He is where it's at. We're going to conclude today with this. Three things. Fear the Lord. Understand who He is. Understand who He is in light of this world that we live in. He is our ultimate authority. He is our ultimate judge. He is our ultimate source of wisdom. If you're ever thinking, hmm, the Word of God thinks differently than I think, you know who's wrong? You are. Fear the Lord. Secondly, pursue wisdom. Pursue wisdom. The Word of God is clear that it takes action to do that. We have to be active to pursue wisdom, active to acquire wisdom, to hear it, to receive it, to follow after it. And thirdly, do not despise instruction. Do not despise instruction. Many of you are going to receive a lot of instruction in your lifetime. Are you going to hear godly wisdom and respond to it? Are you going to despise it? Are you going to turn from it? Are you going to reject it? The Word of God says it is a fool that despises wisdom and instruction. Last thought as we close. Did you notice how many times when we talked about the fear of the Lord, keep His commandments was right next to it in the same verse? That's what it means to walk in the fear of the Lord. The beginning of knowledge is the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or beginning of wisdom and keeping His commandments is right there. How do we practice wisdom? Is we walk in the fear of the Lord. We keep His commands. We hear what God is doing. We submit ourselves to Jesus Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you have given us in Christ 
the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so I pray for each young person here, each adult here today, this morning, that uh, they would put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, for he alone is the fount of all wisdom. And might we be humble this week to hear wisdom from others that comes from you, and that we might respond to that, um, to receive it, and to walk in a way that would honor you and please you. In Christ's name, amen.